going well. We've talked to you before over the years when you've come to town here. I, I, I hope you have good memories of Detroit. I hope we treat you well when you come into town. You know, I, I actually do. Detroit, Chicago, that whole area, you know, Milwaukee, you know, that was like sort of where I started headlining, you know, like too long ago to even remember. <laughs> you know, but, um, yeah, I, I love it there, actually. And I love the Andiamo. It's, uh, I, the producer was saying he saw me last year. I don't know. I don't even remember being there last year. <laughs> <laughs> well, trust us, you were great, yes. okay? <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, don't just... A few years, actually. Yeah. You know, because well, of uh, everything we've gone through. But I'm glad we're back out there. Yeah. Um, you know, I was I, I was thinking about um, asking you when I knew you were going to come on, and I saw, you know, like you say, too long ago to remember. But I'm going to ask you: Do you remember the first time you played a legitimate club? Not the first time you told a joke for somebody, but the first time you you went on to a legitimate club, how it went, and and what was your routine back then? Uh, just uh, I'm always evolving, but back. Then I would say the first real headlining when I went out as dice, you know, like with that kind of material, right? Was oh, so early eighties. Mm-hmm. It two week gig in Dallas, Texas, at a place called the Comedy Corner, mm. and that's how they would book their headliners: two weeks at a clip, you know, and wow. um. Yeah, and that's a I, long stretch. I, yeah, wow. <laughs> You'd think everybody in Dallas would have seen it by that point. Oh, but you got to understand, you know, I, I know a lot of the guys today are making it like in their late 40s and early 50s. But, you know, I started really young. You know, I wasn't even 21 when I started. Hmm. So by the time I was, I don't know, 24, I'm headlining, you know, so and by the time I was 30, I went through the through the roof. I've had like four careers already, mm-hmm. and I'm actually enjoying this time more than ever because I'm just doing everything now. You know, uh, whether it be film, TV, um, all A-list projects, and as far as performing, it's everything from what I call club dice to uh, what I call this month like concert month, like bigger theaters. Uh-huh. You know, and everything in between, like the Andiamo, that's about 800 seats. Yeah. But like last, I did like 3,000 seats in Jersey. Um, but, uh, you know, a week, two weeks ago, I'm doing, you know, 250 seats. I call it Club Dice, hmm. you know. And people are really loving all the different kinds of shows because I customize every show. Like, and I really take pride in that, that, you know, I, I know a lot of comics are very, you know, um, anal about the A to Z routines. I can't do it that way, you know, because I always claim like I'm the greatest. That's it. So if I'm going to claim that, I got to go up and be that for every crowd, you know, and give them all individual shows, depending on the mood of the room depending on, you know, younger crowd, older crowd, mixed crowd, you know, so 
So you're I not really running. Did. You're not running through in your mind like, okay, I did joke number one. I'm up to joke number twelve, and then joke number fourteen. It could be, you know, depending on how people are going. It could be something different each night. This is how nuts I am. Okay, <laughs> tell us. I I started out. I don't even know why. With a routine about ladybugs, you know, mm-hmm. but I on on the elevator, and it just took me everywhere, you know, and you know that's that's what I like about what I do personally. That you know, I got forty five years in this business already, right. so I should be able to go up there and kill any crowd just really destroy like last night i did an hour 37 wow you know and that's a long time well the crowd was amazing and i just got in a zone but but you know what what what, why i admire that so much uh we have a lot of musicians on the program and bands and things like that but they can always especially if they've been around for 45 years they can go 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 out and do stuff that they did 40 years ago and people love it you know like like say yeah do do the hits do the hits when you're a comedian you can't really do jokes from 30 years ago right because everybody knows them and yet you're we were joking around before you came on i said i think you are the most half line quoted comic in the world <laughs> meaning people will start your routines but they can't finish them because they're too dirty to do on the air you know so we were doing a bunch of them we said well little boy blue oh we have to stop there you know i'm online at the bank oh gotta stop there you know so i, I wonder if people come up to you like they then they they sort of start a line expecting you to to finish it no no as a matter of you gotta People that are looking at my Instagram now are just loving it because of uh, these videos I'm putting up there now. Like, it just started where I'm going over to people that I think are fans, you know, but they're not. Uh Oh, they're not. (laughs) (laughs) How does that work? uh, You got to look at the, uh, you know, the Andrew Dice Clay Instagram thing. Okay. Hard to do on the radio funny as can be no it's nothing dirty but um but the one bit i do because it's such a signature piece is always going to be the mother goose stuff that i'll always like give them at the end because for whatever reason they still just love doing it you know yeah so it's not about the tongue or any of those jokes but they do it's almost like a song you sing at the end (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. It's it's Sinatra doing my way. You can't you can't leave without hearing Hickory Dickory Dock. Did you know? You know did you yeah. know when you first did them the first time that that would be so big, or you just thought this is a good joke? But did you know how big those would become? Well, I realized how it affected the crowd, and that's when I wound up buying the book and just doing a whole bunch of them, and it. it <laughs> And so, yeah, to this day, like last night, they were doing the poems like like they never heard them before. <laughs> like that kind of so I don't mind doing it. I think it's fun, a fun way to end. But it's so interactive, that, too, with the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a good way to get the crowd to to hey, you know, call and response. It's like when Springsteen holds the mic out and just lets everybody <laughs> sing, you know, Hungry Heart. You can just <laughs> let everybody finish. Do you hear me at all, or are you just going? I don't know if you hear me. Uh, well, yeah, we hear you. 
Oh, okay. Good. Uh, I was trying to say something. You just kept going. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we do that all the time here. <laughs> I, I didn't know because the phones get, you know. Screwed. Yeah. Don't feel bad. We do it to one another. I love that when, when you know, you, for whatever reason, a phone call, you know, you get disconnected. And you and they call back and they try to explain it, <laughs> like like nobody knows what happened. <laughs> <laughs> thought, it, the call was lost. We're back on. Yeah. Why <laughs> that you don't really know the explanation. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes you could call somebody. I'm not even doing a routine. I'm just thinking about what, yeah. what, what just happened with me and you. And you could go, wait a minute, do you hear that? <laughs> and the other person's like, no, what is it? I don't know. It's like a tapping. No, I don't hear any. So what do you think I hear it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and that, all the, like, that's the cell phone world. Why, why explain it? That's what it is. <laughs> I think you, yeah. you got your opening routine yeah, yeah. on yeah. Don Diamo's yeah. on Saturday. Yeah. Goes on every day with the phone. It's like I don't even want to call anybody anymore. You know, I mean, in LA, I do still have a house number, which I love. You know that ah. you go through all the cell stuff. It's and it's actually an old school phone, the rotary. Oh, right. You, know? you got a rotary phone in wow. Los Angeles. You might be the only person left in the city of Los Angeles with a rotary phone that's not in yeah, a museum. I not even push button. Rotary. I got wow. red. I got orange. I got. <laughs> yeah, I, I got like three or four of them, but I like the red and the orange the best. Ah, all right. Yeah. And when well, I call people, they're like, you sound really good. What What kind of phone you I go, they plugged into the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think that they offered that anymore. I thought that I thought that phone companies no longer offered that in Los Angeles that you could get no, phones no. in the wall. That's that you no. just you just enlightened me to something. No, yeah, I always had one. You know, yeah, you got AT and T. Call yeah. them up. <laughs> hey, before we finish up with you, I, I want to acknowledge the excellent work that you have done in films. Uh, and I, you know, you said before that you, you're you're doing a lot of little of this, little of that, and moving it all around. That must have been some experience working with Woody Allen, uh, because uh, that's a uh, he's a different kind of director and and does things differently. How, how was that all for you? You know what? Um, it was great. I mean, he let me really dig into my part, change some things, and and just those, you know, like Sally Hawkins, who we just heard. I mean, you know, I think she wound up winning the Academy Award for her next movie. You know, Kate Blanchett, you know, all great, you know. So it's not just Woody, it's the cast you work at. Bobby Cannavale was in that one, who became a, a really good friend of mine. And, um, yeah, to, to, that's what I always loved doing. But, you know, there was a lot of, you know, when the stand-up career took off, and I was doing just all the arenas and all that stuff, you know, that was backlash to that. You know, yeah. I was like, I was like the original cancel culture without getting that thing, <laughs> you know, and now I just do what I want because I'm my grandfathered in. Everybody else is getting canceled. <laughs> That's true. You already had your cancel culture moment. But, 
I already had it, and I just kept going. You know, yeah. what are you going to do? Yeah. Like, you know, you know, the people were thrilled, and the press wasn't too impressed, you know. But that's how it always is when somebody comes along and they're, you know, different than whatever you've seen in the past. And right. I know, you know, I know I created this this persona that had never happened in the world of comedy. It happened in rock and roll. It happened in film, but it never happened in stand up, you know, where somebody I mean, you know, when people come to see me at the Andiamo, they're not getting the guy from 40 years ago. There's no reason for that. Right. I would be put to tears doing that material, you know. But at that moment in time, it, it was exactly what was going on in the world, you know. And now I do, you know, now it is more self-deprecating. You know, when I, you know, you talk about being in Florida, God forbid you're the only guy, at a, a, you know, having coffee with three other guys that don't, and you don't have diabetes. They get angry. <laughs> <laughs> odd man out <laughs> but, you know and i and when i'm on stage and talk about that stuff it's what's funny is with the diet nobody talks about arthritis anymore because they never came out with a pill for it so all of a sudden nobody's complaining about their neck or their shoulder because it's not in their head that oh i got arthritis but 30 years ago everybody had it they just didn't figure out a pill, but yet with diabetes, you go to Florida, there they are on TV, bigger than life, walk with your wife again. Just <laughs> like, taking the pill they came up with, you know. It's <laughs> funny. But do, it you, do, do, do you, uh, Dice, do you, do you do anything political these days? Uh, I, I find... I've never had a political conversation in my life. I, we're in the dumbest world ever, you know, because, you know, as a kid, I'm not even going to, I'll just tell you exactly what my mother taught me really young. You know, when I started out doing comedy, she goes, never talk politics, never talk religion. You're going to love this third one. And never bad mouth Frank Sinatra. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is a recipe for success. Yes. yes. Yeah. And, and I, I've never had those because whatever your politics, whatever your religion, it's a no win. Nobody's right. winning right. Yeah. in those debates. And, and you get angry. I watch people do it. I, I stopped going on Facebook because of that stuff. It was like, really? Do you think anybody cares what you think? Anybody? No, it doesn't work. The world doesn't work that way. Nobody cares. With the Sinatra thing, I got to hang with him. He he really? wanted to meet me and talk to me. And um it was actually Wayne Newton that set that whole thing up. Because when I did Ford Fairlane, I meet Wayne Newton and he's wearing this bracelet that was shinier than the sun. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And I go, wow, that's that's some bracelet you got on, you know. And I'm like a brand new star, you know. And I'm looking, friggin' Wayne Newton, like I don't know how to talk to him, you know. <laughs> Who does? So I go, that that's uh, you know. But if you stood in front of him, it would be a different deal. I'm telling yeah. you, he's a star. He's a real star. There's a guy that owned me a ladder in a hotel at one time, you know. So I go, that's some bracelet. He goes, 
he just looks at me casually and he goes, oh, yes, yeah, Sinatra got this for me. And I'm like, oh, I've been like a big time star for about eight months. I go, oh, yeah, that's great. I go, let me ask you something. You think uh, Sinatra likes what I do? And he goes, I'll promise you this. He goes, if he does, you're going to meet him. I go, oh, that would be great. And that <laughs> New Year's Eve was my first New Year's headlining Vegas. And um, Wayne Newton threw me a party at the Hilton. And, you know, at that time I had an eight-piece band because at the end of the shows, I would do a whole thing on Elvis and uh, Travolta doing Grease. And I would do a whole big drum solo to uh, the Santana song, Soul Sacrifice. There was a hmm. lot of music like the last half hour and uh so we get to the hilton my family everybody's and he grabs me and my dad girlfriend and he goes come on we gotta go we're late we'll be back to the party and we drive to the sands hotel right into a garage the back way of like an italian restaurant that looks like it would be you know in the middle of detroit the, right. with the red you know and here comes Sinatra. There's about maybe 10 people. It's all his family. And he gives me the little smack on the face. He goes, we're going to have a little talk, but first we're going to eat. You know? <laughs> you don't know if he likes you or he's going to shoot you. Yeah. Oh, I knew I was there only because he liked me. And, yeah, he was married to Barbara Marks, and her kid was there. And, wow. What a story. Well, I, listen, we could we could we could talk to you all day, but we're we're out of time here on the radio. But I want to tell people to go see Andrew Dice Clay at Andiamo's this weekend on the twelfth. Uh, I don't know if he's going to tell these stories or many many more, but if you haven't seen Andrew Dice Clay in concert, you need to do it. Appreciate your coming on. Uh, been a fascinating conversation. Thanks and welcome and we'll talk, uh, to Detroit. Yeah, talk again, and next time I won't be late. <laughs> that's okay next time we won't talk over you either <laughs> and have a happy thanksgiving everybody oh, there you go. Thank you. andrew right. dice clay right. here on yeah. 760 wjr yeah. back with more right after this <laughs>